If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, so for the first 38 minutes, we don't talk a whole lot about fitness, uh, but we do have some fun conversation. This is the intro part of the episode. We start out by talking about my son's bulking plan. It's a lot of fun. Having a lot of fun getting him on the bulk. Um, And how I'm using Smoothie Box to help him get quality uh, calories. Now, Smoothie Box delivers to your door high-quality smoothies. They're frozen in packages. You just put them in your blender. It's got collagen protein, healthy fats, uh, healthy carbs, fruits, vegetables, um, and they're delicious. They are one of our sponsors. If you go to smoothiebox.com forward slash mind pump, smoothie is spelled S-M-O-O-T-H-I-E-B-O-X, smoothiebox.com forward slash mind pump, you will get $20 off your first three boxes. Then we talked about Organifi's red juice and how Justin's friend is now using it for his pre-workout. Yeah, he loves it. Giving him the energy. Organifi is also one of our sponsors. If you go to Organifi.com forward slash Mind Pump and use the code Mind Pump, you'll get 20% off. Then we talked about beetroot powder for nitric oxide production. Nitric oxide dilates your blood vessels, increases blood flow, improves your endurance. Uh, Good uh, conversation that part of the episode. Then we mentioned the new Gillette ad that's causing a lot of uh, hubbub, right? Uh, what are they talking about? Toxic masculinity? Mm. Kind of crazy. Yeah, and then we, we got into it in there. And then we talk about how politicians like to divide us so they can conquer. Then we get into the fitness part of the episode. The first question was, uh, this person's a competitor. They're already on low calories, and they're already doing a lot of cardio, but they want to burn more body fat. Um, what should they do? Should they increase their cardio even more? Or cut their calories even more. Which option is better to preserve muscle while getting shredded? The next question was, is fiber the most underappreciated macronutrient or is it the least important? Should it even be considered a macronutrient? Great discussion that part of this episode. And the next question, uh, you know, we've all trained people for a long time. And a lot of the people that we've trained were very successful, smart individuals. What is some of the most impactful advice that we've ever gotten from some of these people that has helped us in regards to personal growth? And the final question, what's the worst piece of advice a fellow podcaster has given us about our business? We had a lot of fun on that part of the episode. We love all you guys. Good times. Also, this month, our flagship foundational workout program, MAPS Anabolic, which is excellent for metabolism boosting, muscle building, uh, and strength building, is 50% off. All you got to do is go to mapsfitnessproducts.com, use the code RED50, R-E-D-5-0, without a space, for that discount of 50% off. Also, a new version will be uh, released soon this month. If you already have it or if you're getting it with the 50% off, you will be updated automatically when the new version comes out. Also, all of our other MAPS programs are on that site as well. We have MAPS programs for competitors, for sports enthusiasts, uh, for athletes. We have uh, programs for strongman-type competitors or people like to work out like strongmen, correctional exercise programs, all of them. They're all available at mapsfitnessproducts.com. Dude, so uh, you, I've seen you uh, post a few times, and I heard you talking about it yesterday. Uh, your boy, is he is he getting serious about the bulk? And getting, you said he, he brought that up. I'm trying. So I'm what I'm trying not to do is be super... 
like insane about it with him and get too excited because right. I, you I, want him to enjoy the process. Yeah, I want him to feel like a lot of it is his idea and and I want him to feel like it's something he wants to do because you know how easy he's, I don't know if you guys ever had the experience as, as a kid where because your dad or your someone made you do something so much that it made you not want to do it. That yeah. that or you do it and then you resent them later. Yeah, like right? I like my uh, I have a, a buddy who his dad was like a, a very very good soccer player when he was uh, uh in you know when his dad was younger so his dad pushed him to play soccer so much that he ended up not liking it and stopped playing mm-hmm. and then as an adult later on in his like mid 30s he's like damn i wish i wish i stayed in it but my dad pushing me so hard made me not want to do it so do you because you are so passionate about training do you have to do you find yourself like holding back and being like, "Oh, I gotta be careful not to get too excited about"? <laughs> yeah, like we, we just we have conversations. I wait for him to ask me questions, and you know he's got my he's got my natural genetics, so he's mm. naturally a skinny kid, right? And so he's asking me about that, and like you know, you were were you like my size growing up, and we're going back and forth. And I said, "Well, I remember when I was," and he was asking me about my weight training routine, you know, when I first started. And I said, "Well, I remember when I was, I think fourteen. Over a summer, I went on this like mass gaining bulk protocol. And he's like, What'd that look like? I'm like, Well, I would eat more food. I was trying to eat more good, healthy food. I did a lot of things wrong, which, which is, you know, good for you now because as, an, as a, somebody who's experienced, I know what I did wrong. But I was, you know, I would lift weights. And I said, in, in, you know, once I figured things out, I actually gained a decent amount of weight. And he's like, Oh, he goes, You know, can I go on? A, a bulking protocol and a oh tear. Oh boy, a tear. <laughs> single tear, a tear just, rolled down my. Just you know tri- what I'm saying? Trickled down. I yeah. was like, I get to do this all over again. Yeah, you know what I'm with way more knowledge. Yeah. See, oh my God, I wish I had me. You, you want a bulk? Yeah. When I was a kid. So you know what's happening now is you know in the morning he'll wake up for school. Or whatever. So are you guys, are you diving into nutrition with him right now? Yeah. So oh, in, cool. so in the morning he'll wake up and and you know I'll give him a breakfast and he'll be like, is this a bulking breakfast? Is this a bulk? <laughs> yeah. So he'll say shit like that. So yeah. You know, uh, and right now I'm only training him like twice a week maybe, uh, and and I'm waiting for him to kind of bring it up. So it's it's not super consistent, although it's getting more consistent. Mm-hmm. So I think it's working. You know, it's working perfectly. And so and then he would ask me like, should I take supplements? And I said. You know, I don't think you need to take supplements. I said, however, a good way to get quality calories in your body sometimes is to use a blender. And so he's asking me about this. I said, well, I said, you have a fast metabolism like I did. I mean, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not exaggerating, okay? The kid can eat 1,500 to 2,000 calories worth of food. If we go to the mall and we'll get something from Chipotle or something from a, a burger place or whatever, the kid will eat... And, ins- and it reminds me like myself, right, just right. an insane amount. So he's yeah, like, God, I, he goes, I already eat a lot. He goes, I eat a lot yeah, of he's food. He's ready to grow. Yeah. And I said, well, I said, you do. I said, um, I said, but you have to do it more consistently. And I said, and you know, w- a easy way to get more quality calories. And this is just a message for hard gainers that are out there. So that th- this really applies. And there's, by the way, hard gainers aren't as common, I think, as people think, but they do exist. I was one. I know Adam, you, yeah. you know exactly what that's like. You just, you're like a fucking bottomless pit. You eat and you, and you lift and your body just burns oh, off. We, we've shared stories about, I mean, I, I remember many, many times sitting down and eating like 
two giant like turkey sandwiches and a massive protein gainer shake. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then just, and I remember just like biting and then washing it down with a shake and biting and washing. <laughs> I mean, I remember so many meals like that and feeling like I could gain weight if my life. Yeah, and then you go on. weigh yourself on the scale, you know, and it's, <laughs> it's like, like a total half, half a pound. Then yeah. you go to the bathroom, it's like gone. You're like, ah. Yeah. So, so I said one of the things you can do is is you could blend, use a blender. Because it's easier to consume high quality calories that way. So he says, well, what should I do? Should I just, you know, just get those like, like, what about all these shakes and stuff? I said, well, some of them are better than others. And so thankfully, now we're working with Smoothie Box, which I I wish I had Smoothie Box when I was a kid. Because mm. here is a shake that you can, essentially a shake, right? It's a smoothie that you can make. But if you look at the ingredients, it's food. Yeah. So it's like spinach, avocado, Pumpkin seeds, there's right. cacao nibs, or mandarin pieces, or banana. Sweet potatoes. Sweet potato. Yeah, like, sneak it all in there. It's really, really good. I, I love how they like they match like the orange kind of phytonutrients together for the clementine specifically, or you know, the, it, it, it's really smart the way they put it. Yeah, together. it's it's real. It's like it's real, real food. food yeah. It's real food, and it's not super high calorie. It's like three hundred something calories for a shake. Um, so, you know, for, for, for people who just want to have a breakfast and have a healthy breakfast, it's a good one. But for my kid, you know, especially if he's already eating a lot and I want, and he wants more food and I want to give him quality food, I blend that up for him. So I blend it up and I mix it with, uh, now they say this is that collagen protein. In there. Yeah. It's got collagen protein and smoothie box recommends that you use like coconut milk or uh, almond milk. But with him, I use regular whole milk. As I say, yeah. put some whole milk in there, bump yeah, the calories. There. Exactly. So I buy this really good uh, organic grass-fed um, milk, that, uh, and it's non-homogenized, so it's just really good quality. So I put it in the blender. I you know I add that in there. I put about a cup and a half of that in there, plus the smoothie box, plus the collagen protein, which is a good, healthy source of protein for you know for anybody. Blend it up, and then. He has it, and he feels cool because now he gets to have like this <laughs> yeah. shake next to him. Yeah, you know, because yeah. I, I remember what that's like too. Like you feel like you're having a magic. Is potion. there? Is there? I know you're probably like waiting on this, but there is there any bit of you that's like I, I kind of want him to go through a little bit of a rite of passage, like like the raw eggs, you know, and like watching Rocky. <laughs> you, you I know, just could see that. That's you know, what, you know, it's funny. I th- I thought I think about stuff like that, like the stuff that I would do, and yeah. I think of it fondly, but I also realize the fucking dysfunction. Like horrible. <laughs> yeah. So like, <laughs> it's I better a horrible not experience. Yeah, like sit there, you know, with him over the sink. You better yeah. pound those raw eggs, boy. <laughs> yeah. You want to put that Drink mass it, on or go not? for a run. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm cool with that. So, but anyway, it's fun because uh, you know now we have this quality things that we can, that I can provide to him. Because when I was a kid, it was Gainer's Fuel, you know, two thousand or oh, Mega yeah. Mass five thousand. It was, yeah, it was maltodextrin and you literally shit. just you yeah. just shit it out like Cyber an hour Max. later. Oh, an hour man. later, it's just coming right out of you. Oh, dude, I used to <laughs> yeah. blend. I bought, uh, and back in the day, the, the way they'd get you to buy their gainer shakes was just a bigger number. So it's, <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It, it would start <laughs> yeah. off with, it'd be like, heavyweight gainer, nine, I remember the first gainers. 900. Like, yeah, 900 was the number. Yeah. And then it got to 1,500, and then it was yeah. 2,000, and then- uh, Starts in the cylinder, and then it becomes a tub, then it becomes this huge fucking bag. <laughs> yes, it's, yes. It's like, it's like a dog food bag. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> then it's like a, a sandbox, you Dude. know, a big old- Dude. Uh, Dude. Weeder, Weeder yeah. made one that was called Mega Mass 4000, which at the time <laughs> had the highest calorie count. Yeah. And you'd buy this thing, and it was, and I, I, I looked this up. You go on Google and look this up. It was a bucket, yeah. like a paint bucket. Like a legit bucket like size. A, yes, like my dad saved it afterward and would put uh, like nails and shit in it. Like, for work. <laughs> I'm serious. <laughs> 
It was a bucket. It was massive. It's handy. And then in the bucket, you break open the lid, and there'd be a, not a scoop. It was like a cup. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, the irony in all of this is like, that's- It just made you a bigger surface yeah, size. that was like the, I mean, you could just take four scoops of the regular uh, shit. Yes, yes. Yeah, there it is. So I would take this big scoop, and you were supposed to use four scoops of it with, uh, like, I don't remember how much it was, like 20 ounces of whole milk, yeah. which is where you get Whoa. a lot of the calories. Yeah. And then you blend it, and the blender would do this. You turn the blender off, and it'd go, <laughs> and you would just see like a small spiral in the middle because yeah. the whole thing was it's so like thick. A, and it's like a thick milkshake. It's like you made takes cement. You, it takes you an hour to drink it. And I'd sit over the <laughs> yeah. sink, and I, 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 this is how I developed my like skills to like pound food. Is I'd sit yeah. there with this shaker, this big old you know blender and just swallow it and sit there. Yeah, and we wonder why we're all intolerant to milk. <laughs> Dude. What? Weird. How'd that happen? And then you know what I used to do? I swear to God, this is a true story. I would sit in my dad's Lazy Boy after I'd pound it, and I'd lay back. I'd put the legs up, and I'd lay back, and I'd lay there for a good 20 minutes to try not to throw up. So I'd sit, I'd sit. <laughs> yeah, I remember that in class, like just the, the bubble guts going, and like yeah. you're just trying to ride it out. You know, The, the worst part is it, it was so audible. You know, you'd sit there and there'd be a quiet moment where the teacher would stop talking. But well, I, I got to tell this story again. I told this story a long time ago in our early episode. So a lot of our listeners haven't heard this. I had bought at the time, you know, advertising. All the bodybuilding magazines were basically huge brochures for supplements. That's all they were. You'd go through them and there'd be a few articles and there'd be like 15 pages of ads. And one of the ads was for heavy a supplement, uh, a powder called Heavyweight Gainer. Uh, 900. I think it was Heavyweight Gainer 900 was the name of it. And it was, it said on it that it was like breakthrough protein matrix and special fats. This is the first time I ever heard of MCTs, medium chain triglycerides, that help you burn fat rather than store it. It was a lean gainer. You're just going to gain muscle mass. And the, the ad was really convincing. Mm. So I bought this, this stuff and uh, it gave me diarrhea every time. Like every single time. But I thought, I was so sold on it, right? Yeah. So we were going to the pool one day with my family. I don't know if you guys remember the story. I told you guys a while ago. And I pounded a 900 calorie, and it was strawberry, by the way, which just tasted nothing like strawberry. It was just pink. It was strawberry colored. That's yeah. all it was. Yeah. And I pounded the shake, and then we go swimming. So we're out there, and I'm, I don't know, I'm probably, I think I'm 14 or 15 years old, and we're swimming in the pool, hanging out, and then it hits me. I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, my God. Uh oh, I got to. Did is, you shit in the pool? No. Oh. No, dude. I'm like, this is going to happen. So I freaking get out of the pool and I run over to the bathroom, but it was single use bathrooms. So someone's in the bathroom. So I'm sitting there <laughs> and I'm kind of cold, you know, a little bit shaking, which makes it hard to keep everything clenched. Mm. And I'm, I'm right. knock on the door, you know, oh, oh, one minute, you know, I had to wait Emergency. a good, I had to wait a good five minutes. And during that five minutes of waiting, I almost let it out a couple times. So as soon as they, they open the door, I jam in there, lock the door, turn around, and I'm trying to get my bathing suit off, but because it was wet, the <laughs> oh, string, strings are all tight. Oh, that's the worst. The string was all tight, yeah. and I pulled the wrong end and made a knot. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, we pulled yeah. the loop oh. out. Yeah. <laughs> I, can't, I can't fucking do it. Uh. So finally, it's just it started happening. Like it just started coming out. So I literally grabbed the bottoms of my shorts and I pulled them so hard, I ripped them yeah. and I ripped them down and just went it just went nuts all over the the toilet. Got it on my sh my bathing suit. Got it on the fuck everywhere. <laughs> and then I'm in. The, I'm a 14 year old. Remember, I'm a 14 year old kid. I'm in the bathroom now. Yeah. So what do you do? The, the aftermath of that. Oh, like, how dude, do you get out of that? A lot of toilet paper. As I say, you probably rinse in the sink. Use the sink. Yeah. And I walked out, and I just 
you know, I sunbathed. Shredded ass. Yeah, and I just sunbathed the rest of the... Yeah. I don't want to go in the pool anymore. <laughs> Fucking terrible. I wish I had smoothie box back then. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great... Oh, a great yeah. way to tie that in. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Really I have it. that loop. He's asking me, too, about um, if there's anything he, sh- he should do before he works out to give him energy. And I'm like, no. I, I, although I thought yeah. about the red juice, but I don't know if that's... Yeah. appropriate for a kid because of the the rhodiola but right. it's no stimulant right There's i actually no- just gave some to my friend um and every now and then to all i try really hard not to give my friends advice like especially like workout <laughs> fitness advice i just can't yeah, like fuck those guys you know like <laughs> well i just don't want to be the guy because they know that i do that for a living and i want them to want to ask me you know yeah, it's yeah. like no i'm the same way it's one of those things where i'm like i always feel like Every time I'm at a family function or I'm hanging out with my friends, I just want to hang out. I don't want to like be the guy that that has all the answers for them. Uh, but my friend was like, he 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 had been doing a lot of endurance uh, as of late, and so he's all this stuff for conditioning and just wants to move better. But the, like he's realizing, like I need to get, I need to to get like more size and like, I want to approach that and actually lift, you know, heavier weights and stuff. So I've been helping him with that. But so yeah, I had him, I actually had at my house. I hadn't been using the, the red juice as much as like the green and and gold. So I gave him that and I'm like, here, you can try this for, uh, you know, like a a pre-workout. It'll give you a good amount of injury. And he likes it. He loves, he loves it. He, he came back to me. He's like, you know, dude, uh, this this has really helped, you know, because he used to take like a monster. Or he would drink like one of these mm-hmm. like crazy energy crack drinks, and uh, and so this has helped to. Hit, and again, this is the same one I think I might have mentioned a while back that uh, just just adding in, you know, some like even if it's a powdered form of like <laughs> a vegetable or fruit is like is like a huge thing in his diet. So <laughs> his body's uh, like. Yeah, his body was just like, you know, responding to it and like all energized. And I'm like, yeah, so some people like that that have, uh, you know, relied a lot on the artificial uh, stimulants and things like that. I think it would really do well. Well, Doug brought up the ingredients of the Organifi red juice, pomegranate juice powder, cranberry, blueberry, raspberry, strawberry. It's that beetroot beetroot. powder. Yeah, beetroot. That's the big one, yeah. Beetroot, uh, cordyceps, and reishi, uh, which are both, I really love those. Rhodiola, which some people can find stimulating. So I think that's where people get the energy. Yeah, have you guys seen the studies on beetroot uh, powder yeah. and beets? Mm-hmm. It's it's one of the most legit ways to to increase nitric oxide, yeah, uh, and increase endurance. It's actually one of the only ways that is actually supported Naturally. by by studies. Yeah. So when you look at like like studies of uh, when you see supplements that are like give you more nitric oxide, better pump, they don't really have anything supporting them. There's very few things that actually have science supporting them. Beetroot powder or beets actually does uh, do that. Do you know at, at what dose? I, that's a good question. Mm. I don't know. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see. I mean, I think your best bet is probably, I would think to eat beets, just to eat actual beets. Oh, well, I hate, I, the, I hate the taste of them, by the way. Well, it's always that yeah. way, right? But I wonder if eating beets is what they did in the study or if it was a more of a concentrated version. Like, I wonder if there's, because I forgot what the, there's something in beets uh, that, uh, there's a compound in the beets that causes the, the boosting of the nitric oxide. Yeah. And I wonder if you need to have it in concentrated form. You don't like beets in your salad? I hate beets. Oh, I like it. Besides fresh beets. Oh, I don't, I don't know if they're in there, but yeah, I don't, I don't like, it doesn't excite me. I don't like how people serve them for Thanksgiving, like just kind of straight, you know? I like to have them like shredded in my salad. or I think they're really good in salad. You ever, you ever had like a chocolate cake with beets? No. Mixed in? There's no. actually like a recipe for that. It's weird, but it's good. Beet really? cake? Yeah, beet cake. Oh, that's interesting. That sounds, it's really weird. That sounds like a, a like a hip-hop song from the 80s. 
<laughs> Yo, yo, I'm beat cakes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's bringing you the hot. That's just this, that's yeah. just this hip hop name. Yeah. That's my other one. I had another one. I beat cakes. What it is now. Yeah. <laughs> keep acquiring all these hip hop names. Hashtag Everybody beat put your hands together for beat cakes, butterball. <laughs> beat cakes, butterball. <laughs> Hitting the mic. Hitting the mic. Oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. Oh, see, there's a study right there. So it's beetroot juice supplementation. <clears throat> On cardiorespiratory endurance uh, in athlete, yeah, athlete endurances are, are uh, endurance athlete. Excuse me, endurance athletes are the ones that are going crazy. Is that PubMed you just pulled up, Doug? Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks NCBI, like. which is a national. What is it? Yeah. I'm not sure. Let me yeah, check. It, it, it's legit. It's legit. I, oh, I would, NCBI. Yeah, I would. Um, yeah, yeah, we good. should put that in the show notes. That study was in January of 2017 that they published it. What do the results say in the? Um, wow, it's that recent, huh? It, it it was a big deal in the endurance world. Mm-hmm. I, I remember because I, I kind of read. Uh, I like to read things about um, uh, all athletes just yeah. to see if there's any application. That's, I think that's where I came across it was in the performance mm-hmm. aspects of it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's For one endurance. of the only it's one of the only things you can take that will legit like raise nitric oxide. You know, they said for a long time arginine did that. Eh, not really citrulline eh, better than arginine, but beetroot uh, juice kicks the shit out of all those things uh, in terms of uh, raising nitric oxide. That's so. interesting. Now, are most the supplements that are coming out now that are like, you know, the NO claim, is it, are they all have, I would assume with a study like this now out that they would all have beet juice in it or beet powder inside the supplement. It's becoming a thing now in the in the, in the the muscle building world for sure. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because it wasn't it was, before. No. Yeah. No, no it was just straight no- nitric oxide, which is what I used to always tell people. It's like, we have no studies to show that that actually elevates in your system it's another one of those things where just because you take it doesn't necessarily mean that it elevates yeah. it into your system well the original studies with arginine were intravenous which uh that's a big difference right yeah, yeah. there's a big difference yeah, shooting between it the application. Shooting. who's doing that yeah, right? yeah. and it's got to go through your gut and all that process so interesting have you guys ever had so many eaten so many beets that you uh think that your kidneys are bad you, or something because you poop blood or pee uh, it it looks like blood no yeah. I, yeah. I don't know if i want to take that challenge that's actually that's that happened to me when i was a kid really? Yeah, I wow. ate a shit ton of beets and then peed and thought, I'm dying. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You always, you still there like Hold that. Hold on a second. Yeah, don't tell me if you didn't pee red, you wouldn't think some shit happened. Yeah, right? I don't know if I had that uh, much. Of, I don't, I don't I remember. I feel like I ate like a blue Slurpee and then I shit like black or something. Oh my it scared God. me. Yeah, <laughs> scared me real bad. I had a. Uh, That's the charcoal will do that. Oh, yeah, Activate charcoal will get yeah, you yeah, black char- poops. Yeah, charcoal will do that, which mm-hmm. I've, I've had to tell a few people that, because that, we've talked about that for the alcohol you know, hack, where you have two, two when you start drinking two before bed and a bunch of water, like the next morning, like, you know, be ready for your toilet to be <laughs> like, I, black. So I, I, uh, I fucked with my cousin like that. He was, he was asking me, like, what should I do to prevent hangover or whatever? So I told him about activated charcoal. I said, but I said, Pay attention to a rare side effect where. Oh God, you uh-huh. did not. And I said, so and so I told him that you'll have like black tarry stool, and it could mean that you have internal bleeding. Yeah, <laughs> yeah with, with, with lots of parasites. I got a phone call yeah. the next day from him, <laughs> dude. I'm fucking up. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, <laughs> such a dick. <laughs> it's all good times, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Anyway, so uh, so did you did you guys see that uh, everybody's sharing it all over social media? That Gillette ad. Oh, oh man, wow. is that ruffling some feathers? right now i actually i actually shared in my story uh ben shapiro's write-up on it i thought of all the things that i've seen on it i thought the way he wrote about it was best because justin justin before you got here this morning justin and i were talking about this yeah and you know and courtney and him were kind of getting into it a little bit over it like just kind of from her perspective and 
you know, it is, it's a challenging thing to come out and just straight up challenge. I think uh, our boy over at uh, Ryan over at Order of Man, you know, kind of came after it right away. But it's a, it's a sensitive thing to, to yeah. just attack without like explaining. And I right. thought Shapiro did a really good job. He did. I, I fully agree with what he said in the art. It's in your, it's in Adam's uh, Insta story. And maybe we should post it again so people will put it in the show notes. So it should, uh, yeah. la- this goes up today, right, Doug? Tomorrow, so it'll be it'll it sh- be up there. Yeah, right? it should be up. Well, maybe not. Maybe it'll be it'll just be coming. Well, and I, yeah, and I. Well, that'll teach you guys. I to like pay to assess, to you know, like what, where my first reaction. I have to like check myself on my first reaction because I I could get into a train of thought that I'm constantly feeding to where I feel like you know masculinity is under attack or like men are under attack or you know and just trying to kind of peel back and and look how somebody else sees it. And so there was definitely a difference of opinion, uh, you know, looking at, at the message, if you're looking at it straight and just watching the video, uh, I could see how, like, there's a lot of obvious things that everybody agrees on, you know, like, like nobody likes to see bullying. Nobody likes to see sexual harassment. Nobody likes these things. Uh, I think a little further ahead with, you know, who's providing the message, like, like what, where, where this is affecting society in terms of like polarizing everybody and, and create like the unintended consequences of a lot of this, uh, in terms of how men and women interact. Uh, I mean, it's very deep. Uh, but if you're just watching a video and being like, you know, yeah, like, you know, I could see how somebody would be like, yeah, well, that, that's that's a great message. Well, what these companies do is they try to monetize virtue signaling. And, and com- yes. Companies that's have been what doing I see, that. I see immediately. Yeah, companies have been doing that forever, right? They, they, you know, like, love your body campaign for Dove or, you know, we hate men that you know, uh, hit other people. Like, okay, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. It is that obvious. Yeah. Though. Yeah. It is. I hate the term. Here's what I don't like. I don't like the term toxic, uh, masculinity. I understand what they're talking about when they say that. So did they actually say that? Or is that in a write up? Cause it wasn't in the video. No, it wasn't in the video. It was in the write up. I don't like that term because they're blaming, they're, they're calling it masculinity and they're saying it's toxic. And you know, the reality is if you want to really be accurate, if you look at all of these cases of people, and especially men who may commit uh, violent crimes, uh, who do things that may be labeled under toxic masculinity, everything from bullying to sexual harassment to, you know, again, as, like I said, crime, what you'll find is that's most common among these cases is that these were men who did not have a, a male role model. They didn't have a father. Mm-hmm. And now we're now like two or three generations deep in, in into a society where, in some cases, a, a th- three quarters in some societies, three quarters of the boys or children, but we're just talking about males now. The boys are raised without fathers, and in other cases, it's it's half, or maybe a little less than half. Before that, it was very very small. So when people say toxic masculinity, the reason why I hate that is because they make it sound like it's too much masculinity, which is actually not true. It's yeah. not enough. Right. masculinity. And when I use the term masculinity, I mean the, I mean healthy masculinity and we're lacking we don't have we don't have men are not uh as involved as they used to be, you know, when you look at just generally when you look at most divorces, right? Let's say let's just say half of all marriages end in divorce. A good chunk of those, the father really reduces his his contact with the children and most single parents or mothers 
without the father. And so what's what we're seeing this what's what's happening is generations of children and boys in particular being raised without dads. Right. And that's what you end up getting. And so it's a massive problem. And so rather than blaming men, um, first off, if you ever blame anybody for an action, the only person you can blame is the individual who caused the action ever. Right. So that's number one. But number two, if you ever want to blame something that's happening in society for the rise of something, especially like this, there's been less masculinity, <laughs> not more. We need yeah. more fathers. We need more uh, role models. We need more of that because the, the the person who I looked to on how to be a man for me was my dad. Mm-hmm. And my dad taught me to be a respectful person, to not harass people, to not be a bully and all that shit. So Right, to elevate women, acknowledge. like it's, All those things need to be passed on and modeled. And I mean, it's a great point. It, it needs to, like that that role needs to be filled uh, with a good example of, of you know, uh, a masculine male role model. And I think that that that's something like it, it's, it's being snuffed to where like it, it, it's categorizes all masculinity now we need to just take it all out well, this is why i like the the warren farrell interview we did this is yes. one of my favorite interviews this past year that um that we did i thought i thought the way that he presented the information was really really good and if you're listening right now and you you did not listen to the warren farrell episode i think that's an incredible episode along the lines of what we're talking about yeah i, I you know for, for me the other thing too is I think we're getting a lot of this a, a lot of pushback because if it feels like it's open season against uh, men, yeah, men, it feels like we're getting blamed for uh, everything. Um, you know, uh, it's if it's 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 okay to say that men are the problem. It's okay to say that masculinity is a problem. It's okay to say that um, men are the reason why we have all these issues. Uh, we live in this oppressive patriarchy. Blah 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 blah, and um, it's not. It's just. Not true. It just isn't. Now, there's been oppressive times uh, through society, but it's been oppressive for everybody, not just for uh, women. It's also been oppressive for for men. And I I don't like to, I don't want to keep a tally because I could sit here and and, and tally off all the shit that men tend to suffer more than women and all that other shit and vice versa and all that stuff. That's not the point. I think at the end of the day, though, um, it's collectivizing everybody, not looking at people as individuals. And that's always a problem. It's yeah. just always, it's always been a problem that, you know what that's called? It's called sexism. It's called racism. It's called, uh, you know, uh, anytime you collectivize any people into a group and give each of those individuals a character, you know, uh, and you say that they all have the characteristics of the group, you run into problems every single time because I know individual men who are far more feminine than some individual women, um, it's you know, divide and conquer, man. Divide and conquer. Yeah, it's it's silly to me. So, but yeah, Gillette's doing this because they're they're monetizing their virtue. Yeah, that's the. I don't the know if it's. Pro- a, I don't know if it's a good strategy though. Mm. Somebody just sent, literally because I did that post uh, uh, that the write up that Shapiro did, and someone sent me a meme back, and it's like a, this guy standing in front of a chessboard, and it says Gillette attacks their one and only demographic. Outstanding move. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. Like I just. I, yeah, I have a problem when because you know that inevitably they're going to get a lot more eyes, a lot more attention. Like this is a strategy you see companies really like taking on now to be able to um, profit off of, and it's 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 gross to me. It, 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 if it was, if it was part of a charitable, it's always side happening. of the function of the company that doesn't get highlighted. Yeah. Uh, I'm way more supportive of that, and and here's the thing: the underlying, of course, the you know the main 
uh, sort of theme of the video, like stand up to to things that you think are wrong. Like I support that a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, if I see something, I'm gonna fucking say something about it, and I expect uh, you know people around me to do the same. But it, it it there's a lot more to to where we're at, you know, in the climate of of society to where like it. Like back in the day, like uh, the, you well, know. I, I think I think I think with something like this, I think if this. Look, I'm not an ex, I'm not an advertising executive. Okay, so maybe they're maybe they're right. Maybe this will work for them. I don't think it will, but maybe it will. But it could have been more of a positive thing. Like, it will. It's just like the Nike yeah. move. The Nike move with Kaepernick. Same thing. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah no. It, maybe it's very because similar. no, it worked. It worked brilliantly no, no, no. for Th- them too. That did work because Nike's demographic was that that cartoon you just read or whatever is true. Yeah. When you're watching it as a man, it makes you feel like blamed rather than saying, "Hey, man, why don't you do this? Be awesome doing this, or you know, raise your kids, or whatever." M- men watching that would be like, "Yeah," rather than being like, "Hey, here's now that's sh- a video." Yeah, I would create. Yeah, yeah. it's like it, you highlight what what a good representation is yeah. of a man, and let's let's celebrate that. Yeah. Well, playing devil's advocate, you guys would make that that, and it wouldn't get shared as much, wouldn't get talked about as much, and so from an right. advertising perspective, your ad would do not as well. And see, that's maybe. the gross yeah. side so, that you, that I see immediately. Yeah, yeah so, maybe I mean, we'll see. We'll see what happens to their to their <laughs> stock. Yeah, you know? if, and that's well, that's the great thing about the market. <clears throat> you can come out and try shit all you want. People will argue about it, whatever. At the end of the day, we'll we'll, we'll know who was right. You know, whether well, I, mean, I may disagree, but at the end of the day, if they sell more shit, well, they the, were old, right. the old saying goes, you know, the uh, bad pub is good pub, mm-hmm. you know, so mm-hmm. it, 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 right now we're all talking about, it. I mean, in the last five years, when have you ever mentioned Gillette in a conversation mm-hmm. ever? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, but to, the unfortunate things, we keep feeding it. Right. Yeah. This is what we see everybody doing now. Is I'm this, so sick of this shit. Is this why you don't, you're not shaving anymore, Justin? <laughs> yeah. Not, I was like, ew, weird. Like, yeah, I was like growing a beard and I'm like, well, I'm, I guess I'm just going to keep going now. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just, how does, how does just Cor- because. How does Courtney feel about the beard? I know she, in the past she doesn't like the sandpaper. Uh, you know, there's like a certain length that and she must really cool not with. like it after the Gillette. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing is like she was just confused at. at like my reaction, initial reaction to the video, little standoff in the Andrews house right now. Yeah, I was, but, <laughs> but, but no, but I, I was able to kind of have a long form conversation and, and and dress it up to like you know why there's a lot more to it, and so she she actually understands now and like gets it where I'm coming from, and I'm trying to I'm trying to also deconstruct my initial reaction to it and and see positive in it as well. So now there I, needs to be both of that. I wonder if because this is what the this is what the, the politics does. This is what the the two sides do and they do this very well and they play they play us very well. I get played all the time and I realize it later. Yeah. What if and and here's why they do it by the way. When they when they piss you off, they can of, it's easier to get someone to vote for you because they hate the other side mm-hmm. than it is to get them to vote for you because they like you. Right. This politicians in in have known this money forever. have known this forever. Mm-hmm. Like ra- if I'm sitting here and I'm debating with if me and Justin are both politicians and we're trying to get your vote, and Justin is talking about how great he is and all the things he's going to do, and I talk about how shitty he is, how bad he is, how he cheated on this person, how he stole money here or whatever. Yeah, you're going to win. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to win, right. and, yeah. and they've known this for a long time. So I wonder if this commercial just comes out, and because the climate. Has been around right. masculinity, right? Totally. If the conservative 
you know, side is saying this and saying, hey, everybody, you should be pissed off about this. Mm. Now we're all getting pissed off. I wonder if I would have gotten as pissed off if I was just watching TV and he saw the commercial. If right. it would have enraged me as much. Exactly. No, it wouldn't because Justin made that. That was the point he was making when we were talking before. He's like, you know, when you listen to the commercial and you, and you actually see it, it's not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But it's because of what it's done. It's again divided us, yeah. and so it's caused all this controversy. Our back defenses and forth. are up, right? Well, and it's it, it also yeah. because because people are going on both extremes. Yeah, it's caused a line in the sand, exactly. and you have to choose. You know, exactly. and which it's one unfortunate because like even I was watching the video again, and, <clears throat> and I see like most of it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I you know I didn't really have as much of a problem with as I kept watching it. But there's this one where the guy's like, he sees a girl he's attracted to. He starts walking towards her, and the guy like grabs him right away and like pulls him away. Like, no. And I'm like, that is like, what? Like, are we going to cut out all normal interactions of like uh, being attracted to the opposite sex? Like, I can't approach a, a woman and tell her that you you look beautiful today. Yeah, yeah. Be- because-, because I'm scared that it's it's going to be interpreted as harassment. Like that that's what you've created because of this. Yeah, so. that that part of the commercial is kind of weird because he didn't really do anything. No, I think it was the look on his face that was kind of like eh. yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's what they were but, trying to. I mean, yeah, whatever. I I, get what I, you're I, I just that's that's where I like. Yeah. Uh, I see, I see all this as, as it, it becomes like, you're the enemy, you're the enemy, you're the enemy. And now the interaction between the two is so fucking awkward because yeah. of what's happened. Yeah, it got pointed out to me. This got pointed out to me on our forum um, a little while ago, and I thought it was brilliant. We, there was this huge debate uh, about this. I don't remember what it was. It was a tweet, and it was somebody just said something that was just absurd. And it was uh, somebody on the left that said something absurd. And so there's this huge debate on the forum, and one of the guys on there, I don't remember who it was. Oh, I remember this. Commented, he- and he goes, you know, he goes, I, there's a, because of social media, anybody can say anything, and I wonder if the opposite side pulls out the craziest shit. Right. Totally. And, mm-hmm. then, and then uses that to, to fire their side up yep. against the other side. And I said, whoa. 100%. That's true. It's absolutely true, because I bet I could go on Twitter and find some random asshole who, on his thing, says you know hardcore conservative, and then makes like a racist tweet. Right, totally. And I could pull that and I could share it, and everybody be like, "That's what conservatives are like. Yeah. We're pissed off." Yeah. Or you know, some they wear red hats and they're racist. Yeah. Or some you know whatever, right? Or some liberal person was like, "We need communism. It's the only way to whatever." And everybody's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, "Yeah, Che Guevara shirt." Yeah. yeah. You. So I think I think a lot of that might be happening. Like these commercials and stuff, like I I wonder if they're really that big of a deal or if we're told... Right, if we weren't... If they didn't... If people didn't... If a bunch of people didn't write up about it and you just watched the commercial... I would have rolled my eyes is all. I would have watched them be like, like, oh, whatever. Yeah, Yeah. whatever. You wouldn't have thought nothing of it. Big, obvious. But that's what I meant. Like that's why I compared it to the Kaepernick thing is that we... And same thing with Kaepernick. Just him not... Him making the stand for something that he believes in, whatever. To to I I'm all pro that, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying. And right. and, the, and then the NFL letting him go because then I'm also pro that. I support mm-hmm. that that whole idea. But because we divided us and said you got to choose a side, mm-hmm. either and it defines you, right, right. Either either one, you're for the flag. You know, and you're just yeah. right, or you're, or you're somebody who's for for black people. It's yeah, like yeah. One, yeah. it's one or the other. I, I don't have a choice. I'm either for the really? flag. Is that or I'm, my only option? Yeah, I'm either yeah. for the flag or I'm for black people. I can't be for both. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like I had oh, to choose a side. 
which is so lame to me. Yeah, know? it is. That's such oh, a good point. Yeah, it is. God, we need to start doing this more on everything. Like, we need to pull <laughs> oh, yeah. up shit and be like, do we really care? Yeah. Is it that big of a deal? No. You know? I don't know. Not really. Fucking shave your beard. I don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're always cool with people in person. You know? That's- like, we can work things out. As long as, it, it, and I feel the more the problem is that we just don't interact with people the way we used to. It's like all virtually, and and, and so yeah, you the 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 most inflammatory people get the most attention. Period. Yeah. Period. Because if I say some normal regular shit, right? Like if I did a tweet today and Boring. I'm like, yeah, and I'm like, hey, yeah. you know. Most people are pretty cool, you know, and, uh, you know, things are going pretty good right yeah, now. Yeah, whatever, Sal. No, yeah. Go over here. Yeah, nobody, <laughs> yeah. nobody cares about anything. <laughs> look I, at this shit. Yeah. Redheaded people are the worst, you know, whatever. <laughs> oh, my God, look what this guy said, and they share it all over the place. That's, <laughs> that's exactly what's happening. Yeah, too, I, too I th- and they spend, and, and that's the game. That's the game, and that's, because I, I want people to realize this, okay? Real, realize this right now. The, the last presidential election, just the election, and and this is the this is the you know coming up to getting you to, to vote for the president. Okay, a billion dollars, a billion dollars was spent on getting the president elected, or 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 just on the whole election process, not just on him, but on on the both sides. Right, that doesn't count the rest of the time. Like before the election, right? Where they're all always spending money. All the smoozing going on. Always well, they're always spending money to get you to believe one thing or another so and you and you and you can't tell me with all that money they're not doing all their fucking research you can't tell me they're not hiring the most brilliant advertising you know people the most brilliant psychologists mm-hmm. they they literally this is true they would literally have test groups and they'll have a test group sit in a room of uh, undecided voters for example and they'll all have so these are people who are uh, kind of on the fence between Republican and Democrat, and they'll have them sit down, and they'll say, "Okay, we want to start. Uh, you know, we're, we think we might need to go to war with this country. Here's the different terms we're going to use to describe uh, the situation over there. Um, you know, we're going to say that they uh, that they're you know hurting children. You know, is that piss you off? And people will vote. We're going to say that, and they'll come up with terminology." Yeah. And then that that they find in the test groups to be the most effective. Mm-hmm. And then what you'll find is miraculously, all of a sudden, all the politicians on that side use the same terminology, like weapons of mass destruction. All of a sudden, everybody was saying the same fucking thing. Yeah. Why? Because they did test groups and they found that that really got people scared. Right. Yeah. And so all this money gets spent on this stuff. So it only makes sense. I'm pretty sure that they're scouring Twitter and they're scouring the internet and they're like, oh, this... And our, our test groups, this really fucking pissed them off and made them hate liberals or made really hate made them hate, hate conservatives. Yeah. Let's do an article on this and talk about how they're yeah. fucking ruining the you know the, the the country. Put this out there, and next thing you know, it goes absolutely insane. So yeah, we got to be more aware of that. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. Quee-qua. First question is from Arya Safai. Our boy. All right. Shredded. So when you're already very low on calories and doing a good amount of cardio after being on a diet for a while, what's more effective for losing fat and retaining muscle? 
more cardio or fewer calories, considering they equal the same daily caloric deficit and also eating the same amount of protein? Okay. This is a really interesting question. So where do you go from here, basically, is what he's saying. Mm-hmm. So he says, I'm yeah. already eating low calories. Mm-hmm. I'm already uh, you know, doing a decent amount of cardio, but I want to keep getting leaner. Do I add cardio or do I cut calories? God, I, I, what would you do with your with your people, Adam, when you when you hit this situation? This, this is that's yeah. why I wanted to do this question because I think there's there's a lot of different scenarios that would would dictate what I would say or what I would do. Um, and that really like when he says I'm already eating low calorie, like my question would be how low yeah, of calorie? Low. Mm. Because I would always rather take calories away. Um, or increase normal movement like neat or through uh, more volume in my training before cardio. Cardio, in my opinion, is the last place that I want to go. Now, that doesn't mean that I haven't had to go there before because if you are that low of calorie where now I'm not even giving my body a sufficient amount of, of uh, you know nutrients to maintain my lean body mass, then I'm going to probably add little bits of cardio in there. But I would always rather do it through neat or through reducing the calories and so it would matter where that person is and i've had like you know a bikini competitor that i'd be training and she's down to as low as like 1300 calories at that point i don't want to take any more sure. more calories from you i would rather create more movement to create more of a deficit so in that case i would probably add more cardio even though technically i would probably add just more steps and movement is what i would do over cardio, so or less, you know, mm-hmm. so something that very low, uh, low impact. Yeah, you don't want to stress the body anymore. Right, right. I don't. We don't. I mean, when you're trying to hang on to as much muscle as possible, you're extremely low calorie, and then if you and cardio, quote unquote, cardio would be you pushing your heart rate to your cardio threshold, and that is like that's that's high enough intensity that you're going to send a signal to the body that's not advantageous for it to have this muscle mass on it. So mm-hmm. I would not want to add cardio. That would be the very last resort. I would go more step walking, you know, just tell them to walk more to create more of a deficit or I would cut calories. And I would cut calories first if I had room, but if I'm already at my lowest lowest amount for me to even hit my macronutrient targets that I need to hang on to that lean body mass, then I'm going to go with just more movement. Yeah, because I've seen people literally go down to their calories are so low where most of all they eat is protein, which mm-hmm. is which you'll lose muscle if you do that, you're, you're, and you, you'll just feel like absolute shit. Here's something that I now here look I've never competed, and I've worked with very very few uh, competitors uh, pre contest. I have worked with competitors, but it's always after a contest and to help them you know repair metabolism quote unquote, um, or just help them get you know healthy and normal, but. For myself, when I've gotten uh, really shredded and I've gotten down to single-digit body fat percentages many times, um, and the lowest I've ever gotten was probably close to 4%, what helped me, and I did get to this point, my calories were low, I was already doing cardio, and I wanted to get even leaner, and one of the best things I ever did was just trigger sessions. Mm. I Trigger sessions were, and here's why I like doing trigger sessions to burn more calories because they tend to be muscle stimulating rather than muscle burning and they also burn calories. Right. So it's still activity, but it's an activity that sends a muscle building signal. And so and you're not doing a ton of damage. No. And no. It, that's why I, I would rather walk or increase volume of training. 
Yeah. Because walking or increasing volume of training, there, I think there's it's more likely you're going to keep your lean body mass uh -huh. opposed to just adding more cardio. And and I don't know. I haven't been watching Arya. I know he just came off. Of, I was watching him a few weeks ago. He's he's been he would just came off one of his biggest bulks that he's ever done. I think mm. he got his body weight up to like two. Yeah, he's, I think like he's that. bigger than he's ever been before, and now he's cutting down. And I would have liked to got a hold of him right then when he made that transition and find and assess where he's at movement wise, assess where he's at calorie wise, assess where he's at. Uh, training volume wise, and then and then give him advice from there because where where we're taking this question off from is a really is a very tough one because I wouldn't want to let I wouldn't want you to get to this position like where mm. you're already doing a ton of cardio you're already at extremely low calorie and then you're asking a question a like hard, that a rock in a hard yeah. place right? right if if I'm if I'm a good coach I've got you down to this point without any cardio. I mean, this, this is how I've coached all my all my athletes is for com, for compete, competing, right? For physique or bikini or bodybuilding, is always been to, you know, we 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 figure out how many steps they're at when, before we start the cut, okay? And just let's say for hypothetical reasons, because the average is around four, let's just say you're at five thousand or six thousand steps a day, and you're at X amount of calories. The very first thing I'm going to do is just slightly reduce the caloric intake just a little bit. You're coming off a of bulk, so you're probably eating a massive surplus. So I don't need to go way the other direction. I'm just going to cut maybe 500 calories a day and then give you a very small increase in movement and steps, like maybe 1,000 more steps per day. So that person goes from six to 7,000. So now they're at 7,000. They also have a calorie deficit. Now I'm going to ride that for a week or two or however long I can get of you just slowly leaning out from that. And then when I start to see their their body slow up as far as results and change, then I'm going to I'm going to bring the calories down a tiny bit more again and then also increase their steps mm -hmm. again. And I'm going to play this game all the way until we're almost down to stage time and as long as I can before it gets to a point where they're just like, "Okay, Adam, I am having a hard time getting that many steps in without getting on a piece of equipment and moving at a little bit faster pace or scheduling that into my day. And that's when cardio now gets introduced into our, our programming. And some clients are really good at adhering to this and others, it's been a challenge for me. I think uh, Melissa was one of the last ones that I coached that I thought did this just, she did it perfect. And we would head into every one of her shows the last week or two would be the first time that she really get into get on a treadmill or, or get on some cardio up and everything else was manipulated through just more steps more movement and then training volume and then calories so hypothetically speaking let's say right now he's doing let's say he says he's doing a good amount of cardio so let's say he's doing 45 minutes a day of cardio maybe two sessions you know like 20 minutes in the morning 25 minutes at night his calories he says are already low so let's just Take his word for it; they're already pretty low. What if he did something like this? Rather than doing more cardio and cutting calories, and he's already working out, so he's lifting. What if he just added every day uh, a, a, an eight or ten minute trigger session, uh, you know, in the in their daytime, and an eight or ten minute trigger session in the evening, which would essentially give him another sixteen to twenty total minutes of activity. Right. But it's a trigger session. He's using bands. He's getting a pump. He's feeling the muscles work. It facilitates recovery. He can target different body parts if he wants to. How would what about something like that? Yeah, no, I like that because I've recommended uh, I've recommended things like this where I'll tell them to go for like a hike for like a, a half hour, an hour, go for a walk. Right, it's a walk, 
and you know every quarter mile or every x amount of minutes that you're walking get down do some push-ups do some squats like a trigger, a trigger yeah exactly. grab it like there's i've had a lot of clients that have like those little parks nearby their house that have the pull-up bars and have like yeah. these little things and i'll tell them to walk laps and every time they come around on the lap you know, do, you know, 15, 15 squats, do 10 pull-ups, do, you know, whatever push-ups and then get back to your walk and just kind of do that for, you know, to, and what, why I like doing that with the walking is it's going to definitely create that caloric deficit that you're going to need if you're going to keep leaning out. Plus we're doing like a trigger session, like you're alluding to right now. So we're stimulating that response of, Hey, we need this muscle. Especially a guy like Aria, he's got such good muscle building genetics. I mean, he's one of the, he's a, he's a natural physique competitor and the guy looks insane. I bet if you did trigger sessions throughout the day, focusing on those body parts, they yeah. probably so come up. So that's another good point that you just bring up, and that's how this advice also changes who I'm talking to. So um, ex-girlfriend of mine um, competed in physique, and she had she had this an unbelievable ability to touch weights and muscle just built on her, and for the but for the life of her, she had such a hard time leaning out. And so that body type, that person who just hangs on to muscle and has no problem building it, yeah, you can cardio the fuck I, out of I would cardio the fuck out of this person. So that that's a that's a, a really good point and thought pertaining to this question. That this is where there is an individual variance. Is if I'm talking to somebody who like like my body type. I look at a treadmill and fucking weight falls off of me. It's crazy. I mean, and if I, at all I am too low calorie calorie wise, I'm not getting enough nutrients, and if I'm doing any sort, muscle will go off right with it. Just as fast as I'll lean out, I'll lose muscle. It's just my body type. I'm not I'm not built that way. And so, if I have a client who's like me in that I'm scared to death of cardio, I'm trying to create walking movement trigger sessions everything through nutrition that I can without getting on a treadmill because my body responds that way. Now, the opposite is true when I have somebody who has a real hard time leaning out, they barely touch weights, they build muscle, they they seem to always have that muscle on them, it's, but it's really hard for them to lose body fat. That person, they're probably somebody who I can push cardio-wise a little more and not be so worried about them losing muscle. Mm. Next question is from Levi Benson. Is fiber the most underappreciated macronutrient or is it the least important? Ooh, I like this. Yeah, that's a good question. I I know that the uh, people, even like Lane Norton, who's a a proponent of IIFYM, he also gives uh, his people um, fiber uh, requirements or fiber. He considers it to be almost a macronutrient. Like, you have your proteins, fats, and carbs. I do too. And he tells people yeah. that fiber I do as well. too. And I'll tell you, uh, I'll tell you why. I mean, aside from the role that it plays with your metabolism, it's definitely something. And I pieced this together when I got into competing and I started, I started coaching a lot of my competitors. It's a very, very common uh, thing for people to lack enough fiber, especially when they eat really clean. When they eat really clean and they're and if they're not like incorporating a lot of berries and fruit and f- high fibrous foods, it's really easy to be under hitting or under coming in under your fiber your minimum fiber intake every single day. And what I've noticed that what it results in. So if you don't get enough fiber, you tend to your stool is not regular. Mm. You tend to you tend to hold on to water, 
And what ends up happening is you get this kind of mental fuck because you're not dropping weight the way you should be based off of your caloric deficit because you're not also shitting regularly. Mm-hmm. And what would happen is I would see some, and I would I would be watching someone's diet and I'd be like, okay, they've missed two, three days in a row of their fiber intake. And then they're sending me their, their weekly update of their pictures or showing me their scale and their weight and they're not moving. They're going, what the fuck's going on? And then I'd be like, hey, I want you to have like two cups of berries today or have a bunch of spinach or I'd put, a, I'd put something in their diet to shoot their fiber way up and then lo and behold all of a sudden they'd poop multiple times and all of a sudden their weight would drop and well, then I they think would- it's I mean it's almost pretty obvious that it's a, it's a very vital component to you know your digestive track and, and moving things along and and um, you know, helping out like your intestines and um, making sure everything's healthy within like that whole process. But, you know, I, I was trying to think like I, I remember having we had um, uh, uh, the, the carnivore diet uh, doctor on. Right. Sean, Sean Baker. Sean Baker. Sean Baker. Excuse me. He was the only one that I besides him and maybe the IFYM crowd like probably doesn't consider it quite as is, um, y- you know, as, as important as, as most people would who, you know, just have a regular balanced diet. But um, I was trying to remember his argument for the fact that, you know, fiber is, is somewhat overrated in terms of um, what it's what it's actually providing uh, nutrient wise. Yeah. The, the, Do you remember what uh, his argument was? Yeah. He said, well, it's not essential. Okay. You, can you get away with not eating fiber? Yeah. Um, you can get away with it. Is it optimal? No. Um, the studies are pretty, there've been a lot of studies done on, on fiber and they all show that eating a diet that's high in quality fiber, both soluble and insoluble fiber, uh, benefits your health in many different ways, improves longevity, reduces heart, uh, disease risk, lowers, uh, bad cholesterol, uh, helps prevent things like diabetes. Um, so it's something that you should, uh, you should probably consuming if it feeds the gut microbiome, Mm. um, certain fibers are essential to feed the healthy bacteria, that's in your gut. So you don't want to starve those out because those are also very important. And, you know, studies, anthropologists who will study, you know, fossil records and study the diets of, uh, you know, of, of man, you know, thousands of years ago, we ate a very high fiber diet, probably. I mean, we probably did. If, if we saw a plant that we could eat, we probably ate it. Mm-hmm. Remember, humans are opportunists when it comes to food. So, yes, we were hunters. Yes, we probably ate animal when we when we could and uh in between that we we ate a shit ton of plant and plants then aren't like the plants now plants then were a lot more fibrous than they are today we've we've oh, yeah. we've really done a job of modifying plants through breeding and of course later on through more uh, you know complex methods of you know irradiation or genetically modifications where the plants have become less fibrous because fiber doesn't taste good um, and have be, and, and become more, uh, you know, calorically dense, sugar dense types of foods. So like if you look at, like you look at an apple, an apple today is far larger, far more dense in terms of sugars and calories and other types of nutrients, but far less seeds and fiber mm-hmm. than, than, than original apples. You look at uh, corn, for example, corn is now a starch bomb Whereas before there was a lot more fiber and a lot less of the starch, humans just ate a lot of it uh, before, uh, and, and our bodies evolved eating lots of fiber. And so I notice it's a important. Bi- I notice a big difference, you know, aesthetically, right? When we're talking about that, with a with clients that were eating whatever the fuck they wanted, and then they decide to go on this diet with you, 
and then they end up not eating enough fiber. Super mm-hmm. common. Because mm-hmm. it seems like all your boxed and shit is like infused. They got infused fiber into everything. So grains, get, a lot of grains. Yeah, right? So you're getting a lot of fiber when you're kind of eating all over the place. And then all of a sudden you get on this like bloating, constipation. I mean, that has to play a factor. Well, yeah. So then then you then you switch over and you decide, okay, my new way of life, or I hire my trainer Adam, and now I'm going to be now I'm following the the turkey, rice, and vegetable diet or whatever. You know, they end up eating low fiber. Yeah, then they're eating extremely low fiber, and they're and they're holding on to water. They're probably their stomachs inflamed a little bit, and then on top of that, they're not shitting like they normally should. So their body weight's staying the same. They're kind of bloated, filling, holding water. And they're going, what the fuck's going on? I'm eating super clean. And one of the number one things that I've ever tweaked on a diet that's very, very common when I get somebody who is eating poorly and then all of a sudden is eating well is the the under consumption, especially if you've got your body adapted to having, used to having lots of fiber. It's eating a lot of shit too, but it's eating a lot of fiber. Mm -hmm. So your stool's all normal. Then you switch over to a really clean diet. Fiber gets reduced by 50, 80, how much percent? And now all of a sudden you're having this issue. And then I shoot a bunch more fiber back into their diet. They have a normal stool two, three days later. And it's like, oh, wow, now I feel much better. And you're saying your preferred ways of increasing that for clients was like berries? Berries and and spinach. spinach. Yeah, those those tend to be like areas that I can get it. I mean, obviously all your your veggies and greens and things like that are, are great sources. That berries are a quick way too with that don't have as much. So blueberries, blackberries, raspberries, strawberries, all your all your berries for the amount of calories and sugar that you're getting for the amount of fiber you're getting it, it yeah. almost negates like it's mm. and I know some people well, they're fairly low glycemic if you yeah if you yeah. steer more towards the, berries the and lowest other fruits yeah yeah the lo- the lowest and so the most bang for your and antioxidant wise so it's you know berries are one of the most uh, you know antioxidant rich fiber rich foods that we can have and so that would be like a recommended thing that I would do is I'd have them have like a you know, a big old thing of, of all the berries and have that for, a, you know, a couple meals within there or a couple times within the day, a couple days in a row. And then all of a sudden you see the stool come back. So to normal. what I like to do is I like to eat large amounts of fibrous vegetables, but I have to cook them very well because if I don't, um, then they can cause uh, gastro distress. Hmm. And I've had issues with clients with this as well, where they're like, well, I'm eating all this broccoli and it's hurting my stomach and I've got all this gas. And like, are you eating, are you eating it raw? Yeah. Are you eating it yeah. raw? And I'm like, yeah. I'm like, okay. Cook it uh, because it helps your body deal with the the fiber that's in there. So what I'll do, my favorite source is I'll eat rapini, um, or otherwise known as rabi, R-A-B-E, and I'll buy a bushel of it, um, and I'll boil the shit out of it and just put olive oil on it, and I end up, I'm able to consume one or two bushels to myself, and my digestion is phenomenal uh, when I do that. So that's just another you know another I guess trick you can use for yourself. Next up is the Holistic Hipster. Being trainers, the three of you must have trained several successful and wise clients. What would you say is the most impactful piece of advice that a client has given you in regards to personal growth? Wow. Mm. You know, so much. Yeah, I was just going to say, yeah. the hardest part about this question will be narrowing it down to the most impactful piece. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one that comes to mind for me is I struggled for a very long time with this guilt to help my mom financially. And this was like a, a major, major burden that I carried for a very, very long time. Um, and part of it I created for myself because I, I allowed this behavior. I allowed her to manipulate me for a long time. And and it's tough when it's your mom, right? Your mom you love. And, and, and I used part of my motivation to be successful when I was younger was to buy my mom a house one day and 
And I remember having a, a couple really wise clients that I had a lot of respect for. And, you know, I'd share with them what's going on with me. And, you know, all of them were kind of saying the same thing. And that was when it finally sunk in for me. And that was, you know, you are, you're enabling your mother and, and you're doing it because you think you love her. But if you started to look at it through a different lens, that every time that you give her money, when she says she needs it and she needs help, that you're actually hurting her. And if you could start to look at it that way, maybe it would change your behaviors. And, you know, and they went deeper into explaining how I'm technically hurting them by giving giving them money, giving her money financially. And that was a, that was big for me. It was, and it was a really tough thing for me to go through where I, I stopped doing that, you know, because I started to do it also for my two youngest siblings who we have over 10 years apart from each other. And I, became kind of like this this father figure for them where every time I came into town I was buying the things that they needed whether it be soccer cleats or new outfit for school or whatever you got know, computer all kinds of shit right so I did that for a very long time for my siblings and a lot of that too was my own insecurities of one and that which was tough and I through these clients I started to reflect on myself like you know, I always had this chip on my shoulder to prove that I was successful. I didn't, I didn't finish college. So I always had this on, you know, this, this monkey on my back of, you know, because I didn't go to college, like, can I be successful and and do well? And I did, I did very well and and I was well off, but then I also felt like I needed to show that. And one of the ways that I, I, I justified that was by buying people things all the time. And, you know, I spent a lot of money on my siblings and my mom, partially one, because I thought that I was loving them by doing that. But in reality, I was really feeding an insecurity and I was also enabling my mother. So I think when I think of personal growth and the most impactful thing that's probably been given to me from, from clients, that was probably something that fundamentally changed my life forever and for the better. But man, I could sit here, I could go a whole two hour podcast and talk about the wisdom that I, I gained from clients. Oh, I, 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 a lot of what I learned from clients was just through observation. I mean, yeah. I, I, you know, I have, I, I've shared this story before. I had a client who was self-made, very successful. And I, I asked him, um, he was an older gentleman in his, in his mid seventies. And I said, well, you know, can you tell me like how to be like, what do I need to do to become successful like you? And he says, you're asking me the wrong question. He said, ask me how many times I failed. Mm-hmm. And so he went into telling me about all the times he'd gone bankrupt and how life uh, is is like a game. And he goes, "It'll it'll pitch you as many balls as you're willing to swing at." And I remember that being kind of like, "Oh, like so which if I fail, that's not the last time. I can keep going." And so I remember, you know, getting that lesson from him. But I know what also just came to me was I had a client. He ended up becoming a good friend of mine, Marco. Um, he might be listening. Good friend of mine. Great guy. And I, he hired me right uh, probably about a year and a half after he had gotten divorced. And he had gained a bunch of weight through the stress of the divorce and all that stuff. And he had four children, four kids. And, you know, we started working out together and he got in shape with me and all that stuff. And as we became, you know, friends, as you guys know, when you train someone for years, you, you end up talking about everything. This, this is somebody I was seeing you know, two to three days a week for an hour, you're going to talk about all kinds of different things. And what was crazy to me was how him, and and this was, you know, this was a long time ago, how him and his ex-wife handled their divorce with their children. He was so involved with his kids. He would, he would, he had a text, he would text his ex-wife, even though she was married to someone else and he was seeing someone else. They would text each other 
oh, you know, uh, you know, they talk about their kids. Okay, what happened in school? And make sure you do this for your kid and no problem. And he would tell me about the difficulties. And he's like, and I remember I'd have these conversations because at the time I was very unhappy in my marriage. I mean, you know, when you talk to people who've been married for a long time and they get divorced, the, the last five years or so, it's like they've been thinking about it, right? And that was me. And so here he is, he's telling me kind of how he handled his ex-wife and how they worked together. And at, towards the end, this was now seven years later or whatever, they had developed a kind of relationship where they would go on vacations together. Not just him and his ex-wife, but him and his new wife, his ex-wife and her new husband and the kids. And he sat there and he told me, he goes, you know, we do this not because we like each other. He goes, I don't, I don't want to hang out with my ex-wife. I really don't care. Besides our history of having these kids together, I could care less. He goes, but the kids get to see how all these people are doing this for them. And this woman is going to be in my life forever because we share these children. Why not have a good relationship where we work together rather than, than fighting? And it was the, I'd never seen an example of this before. And it was his example that, uh, you know, that I try to still follow today with how I am with my kids and my ex-wife and how we try to work together and all that stuff. Mm. And it requires a tremendous amount of uh, maturity. Um, it's not easy because obviously you got to think about why you're getting divorced in the first place. You don't like each other. So now you got to like figure out how to really work together mm-hmm. and not piss each other off even more, especially now that you're not even living together and you, you want to tell the person to fuck off or whatever. Mm-hmm. It takes a r- ridiculous amount of maturity, but watching him do that really influenced me. Um, and you know, now the, the way we handle it now, it's not perfect, but it's, it's, it's for my kids. I can see my kids are thriving as a result of it. So, yeah, I can echo a lot, especially the, the first example you brought up with failure and, um, just observing how, um, you know, some of my high profile clients really dealt with, with their struggles and, uh, their pursuits, um, you know, in, in, in their different, um, respective, uh, businesses. And, um, one of them that really st- stood out and I still, I mean, I still train one client today for a very specific reason. She's been a very instrumental part of my growth as a human being. And I think it's, it's a relationship that also like we've played off of each other in different stages of uh, growth and pursuits. And I've seen decisions she's made, like really, really hard decisions where she took a complete 180 and, and did uh, the opposite of what she was doing because realized this was not the direction that she wanted to go. And I thought that was like very brave. And that was a big lesson for me. It was like all in, but realizing this, this has an ending that I I don't agree with. I don't want to go in this direction. I'm just going to completely turn the ship in the opposite direction and be confident in that decision and reinvent myself. And I was like, Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't believe like you, you just don't see that a lot. And that was like huge for me. Cause you know, we, you do things and you see like all the momentum. And a lot of times, like if, if you're working on something so hard, you, you get like the horse blinders on and you, you see just one thing and you, all you can see is the vision of that thing. And then you get closer and closer and you realize, well, I don't really know if that's, where I want to be and that's who I want to be and that's what I want to do. And, um, you know, like be knowing that you always have an option of just completely reinventing and, and starting over. And yeah, it's, it's tough and it's a hard road, but it's, it's, 
it's all in your mindset. It's it's all like it's all accomplishable. Yeah, I, I, the thing I think I miss most about training clients is what I would get. Oh uh, yeah, I would get from them for I mean, sure. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's the it's one of the reasons why I used to love training the elderly. I loved training the elderly because these are people who are been on the earth a lot longer than you. They just, I mean, there's just a truth there, right? Like, and I'm not saying hey, this is true for everybody who's who's uh, you know a lot older than me. I'm sure there's there's a lot of you know idiots out there that are older. But many times you're looking at somebody like, think about this. Like I, I used to say this to, to my staff all the time because they would, you know, they'd be like, God, you love training, you know, because I would get, I would start, I'd have at one point a good one third of my clients, which is a lot because usually it's not that many at all. One third of my clients was like 78 or older. So I'd have all these old people that would come in and, you know, and, you know, some of them would have a walker or a cane or whatever. And we'd do this correctional work and we'd sit down and talk. And I used to tell them, I'd be like, you know, I know how I think now versus how I used to think 10 years ago. Totally different. Yeah. And the only difference is time. Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. when you've gone through that rotation four times. I, I yeah. wish. Yeah. Imagine, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> like, Wisdom. Imagine if you could talk to your 80-year-old self. Yeah. If you could sit down with your 80-year-old self, that 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 wisdom is you can't there's a lot of there's a lot of patterns in life and there's a lot of things in in history that continue to resurface just with a with a with a new uh a new title or a new face right yeah even like how we open this this whole podcast up when we're talking about this the Gillette thing and and the dividing people and this and that like you talk to someone who's in their 80s and they'll probably have a story for you where something very similar to that and news happened in the 70s in the 80s in the 90s you know what i'm saying like they'll be able to tell you like yeah, it's no different than this yeah. than that and then they be able to explain the outcome of that and this and it's like okay exactly because i think yep. sometimes you look at someone who's who's older like and it's crazy because most cultures most especially old cultures revere their elderly because of their wisdom and for whatever reason the the newer cultures we revere youth mainly because of i think it's advertising because sex sells and it's attractive and all that stuff so we we place a lot of value on that um but really there's more value in wisdom okay and if as you get older you realize this because then you become more wise you're like oh yeah i was 10 years ago i thought i knew everything it's funny you know 20 year old me thought he knew everything like I was convinced, like oh, I fucking got this, man. No, it's like money. The, I got a it's house. It's like the whatever. conversation yeah. you brought up with when we were talking with Danny and stuff. Being such a smart kid because <laughs> yeah. he's read so much. I mean, he's the kid's got more national certs than I ever had. Right now, what what is he fucking early twenties? Yeah, you know more. He's he's accumulated more certifications in his in his few years than I have in my total career. He's he's CSCS. He's got his degree in kines. Like just a brilliant young man, you know. But there's something about applying a lot of that knowledge to hundreds and hundreds of people that, you know, there's certain things you talk differently about the points that you felt so passionately about back then because you realize that like, wow, it's just, that's a bunch of hot air that doesn't even matter. Like Mm -hmm. what really matters is me speaking to these points because that's what's going to make the difference in people. And you just don't know that until you've been around long enough and applied a lot of this knowledge because not, and that's not to devalue the education and the knowledge, because I think that's that's important. So you have something to pull from, and then to take and to apply towards towards people. So you then what have. Is, what does Paul Check say? Wisdom is the synthesis of uh, of experience and knowledge. Oh yeah. So you get you take those two, you combine statement. them, and then you and then you yeah. get wisdom. You got to have the knowledge, sense. but you got to have experience in order to create wisdom. I, I, I and it's funny. It's like again, we, we don't revere the elder the the older people in this country, and we should because that the only way you can get wisdom is through experience. So the only people that have it right. are people who've 
experienced a lot and been around typically for a long time. I mean, I mean there's younger people with more wisdom than some older people just because they've lived more in their youth than some older people have in, in their lives. But more often than not, you meet an 80-year-old, you sit down with them, and you ask them a question and don't have this like, oh, you're old, you don't understand me. Oh, when you were a kid, you had black and white TVs, you didn't even have computers. Like, dump all that out. Like, like just like Adam said, the, 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 the wisdom, and again, you can read ancient texts. You know, if you look at like ancient practices, spiritual practices, religions, if you look in them, you'll find a lot of wisdom that is true today. You know, we talk about abstaining. Uh, you know, fasting, stuff like that. They've been talking about this shit for thousands of years. Now we got all the science that supports it and it's good for you and this, that, and the other. They've known this uh, forever. All these practices. Right, and they, they've didn't, known for, they didn't need a study yeah, to tell them. Rituals. Yeah. You know, I used to think rituals were stupid. Oh, rituals. What do we need rituals for? Then you realize what rituals do. Rituals are important because they put you in a particular state of mind yeah. and, you, and rituals help ritualize things to help create a practice. So although it's true that you may be able to, you know, uh, you can get a good workout just by going to the gym and working out, creating the ritual of putting on the right workout clothes, getting into the mental state with the music, whatever your ritual is, that may actually improve your ability to have better workouts. For, it's a stupid example, but I think you get the point. So I remember one time I was having a conversation with one of my, my older clients and uh, we were talking about um, friendships and I was like, you know, I, you know, I was talking about this friend that I had and... Uh, we, we weren't really close anymore. And, and she, and she said something that's so simple, but it made so much sense. And she sat there and she goes, she goes, Sal, she goes, when you have a garden and you're watering it, it's beautiful. She's like, the second you stop watering it, it dies. She's like, all relationships are like this. You have to water them every single day. And I was like, well, fuck me. Yeah, that's totally true. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a hundred percent true. I don't care what relationship you have. You stop watering it, that shit'll die. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's that's my piece there. <laughs> <laughs> Next question is from Ryan Alduenda. What is the worst piece of advice a fellow podcaster has given you about your business? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna start launching. Here we people? go. Well, I don't. You know, I I, the first, I have two that come to mind right away. Um, even though I don't think we've got a lot of bad advice from other podcasters. Um, we've, in fact, I think that there's a lot of good relationships that we've forged um, in the podcasting space. And and for the most part, I think everybody has been um, pretty well received. And I think everybody, I, there's not, a, I think you have a lot of intelligent people in the podcasting space. So a lot of people sharing good information. It's a newer space too. So I don't know if there's a lot of yeah, there's, and, and it's, it's hard to say what constitutes bad, but I, I have two things that come to mind when, when asked this question, the first one that goes to the very beginning when we first started, and even though Craig is not a fellow technically podcaster, I know he's talked about getting into podcasting and he technically was a part of Mind Pump when we first started. So you could argue that he kind of was. Um, and I remember, and this was really, I think, the, the sign that it wasn't meant to be for all four of us to be together. And it was after one of the first episodes that we had ever recorded, which has never aired. And I know what Justin, Sal, and I, how we all feel about uh, the vision of Mind Pump and how we wanted it to come off with this very real and authentic conversation amongst a couple of smart guys that don't agree on everything and, and just let it flow and, and let it be organic. And I remember hanging the mics up after the, the, that episode and, and Craig... You know, Craig's, a, Craig's a, an alpha and a leader like all of us. And so he asserted himself right away and was like, okay, 
you know, I, I think the next episode, <laughs> um, Justin is going to intro and start, yeah. and then I'll talk, and then Adam can talk, and then Sal will talk last, because Sal did all the talking on this this last one. And he was so concerned about who... Who got airtime. Yeah, who got airtime, who was going to be looked at as the authority. He wanted to be even, evenly dispersed amongst all of us because he, he cared about that. I and, that. And I understand that. Like, I get it. But I also knew that the three of us weren't like this. Yeah, it's not the dynamic. We didn't care. You know, no, no, no one here cares who comes off smarter, who's more of this, who's more of that. It was, we wanted to to present a very authentic organic conversation that people can not only enjoy but also learn from and and feel like they're a part of versus this formulaic uh, conversation that is designed to make you see that all four of us are very smart or equally smart or equally good at what we do and we're all equal it's like i don't give a fuck i don't care if someone judges me as less equal than the other two men in this room that's not why we do this and so I think that was really bad advice. If we would have followed that, I think that could have crushed the business. So that's the first one uh, that I remember. Then the other one was when I had uh, Connor come stay with me. Uh, I brought Connor in from on it after we met him. And I remember meeting him and, and he really, we all really liked him a lot. Like he, he, we hit it off with him. He's got a great, great personality. He's not with them anymore, right? He's not with on it. Anymore. No, he still is. Is he still with? On yeah. It? He, he does something else, uh, okay. for them. I believe I, you know, that's a good, that's a good question. I don't know if he's, okay. I, I don't know if he's on the payroll anymore. I don't know his financial situation, but, uh, he's definitely not doing what he was doing for on it back then. But we really, I really liked him. We all did. And I remember telling the guys like, Hey, I'm going to invite this kid to come out and stay with me. And we, and to be honest with you, I was, I was looking to shark him potentially and see if he was somebody who we could implement into the mind pump culture and he could fit in. And I spent two or three days with him and quickly found out that wasn't going to be the case. And part of that comes from some of the advice that he given one of the, some of the advice that he had gave me was to, to reach out to Barbell Shrug for one of the areas that we were currently working on the business. And that was when I knew that he didn't see or have an idea of what we were really doing because I wasn't impressed with anything that Barbell Shrugged was doing. And when he gave me that advice- What to, was this in regards to like, like programs? So at that, no, at that time, we were just getting into uh, Facebook advertising and um, we, were, we hadn't even hired uh, Casey and his company um, to do our advertising for us. And, you know, he had told me to reach out to Barbell Shrugged uh, because they were the masters at that. And, you know, he doesn't know this. Well, I mean, he will if he listens to the show now. But uh, I had already gone through all their business and looked at what they were doing. And I wasn't impressed with anything. In fact, I think in business, I think we have discussed this before. There's a great TED Talk or I think it's a TED Talk about Netflix and, and the importance of timing in business. I mean, timing is the number one reason why most companies are very successful. And I think Barbell Shrugged did a good job of timing their time in the market. And that was a lot of their success. But as far as how their business is operated, I wasn't impressed. And, you know, so that was the, the other thing that came to mind when I think of someone giving me advice business-wise on what I should follow or look mm. at. And at that time, I, w I knew where we needed to go as far as marketing and advertising, and that was before Casey even came on board. 
And I know when we met with him and presented the vision of Mind Pump, like he was definitely the right match for what we were I trying to do. I can kind of remember one, I don't know specifically who had mentioned it or not, but I just remember like the sentiment for most podcasts at the time was to try to get on a network and for them to be able to uh, basically get you all the advertisement and then they're going to take oh, about right. half of the the revenue that, that you accumulate from that. And you're going to do a read. And so basically it, it had a lot of the same feel as radio and, you know, a lot of the infrastructure for that. So there was, you know, there was a thought in that direction of like, oh, is that really how this is going to work? Um, is that going to fit well with our business? And, and quickly, I, we all agreed that that just would not fit with uh, what we're presenting. We're presenting, um, you know, real companies we believe in and vet them. And you just you're basically hands off for the most part when you when you. Uh, you know, give that off to a network like that to to basically go God, what do a, all the work for what you. What a great point, Justin. I, I can't believe I let that slip because yesterday I was literally talking to somebody who's start who's going live on a podcast in February, and she was telling me that part of the motivation was that her co-host has a connection through one of these networks, and that they would you know you know set her up with potential commercials mm-hmm. and this and that. And I told her one of the biggest mistakes I think people make are going through these networks. First of all, one, they take 50% of your money minimum uh, that you're going to make on the commercials. Two, they're, they are uh, supporting the brand, not you. They're, 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 they, their job is to use the collection of uh, people that are looking to advertise in the podcasting space and then to try and match it with you. So they're really representing them and not you. And I remember when we were thinking about that also, and that was horrible advice. And the, one of the best things that we ever did was cr- having Taylor create that side of the house. Yeah. So we have an in-house system, which is to another good point that somebody brought up on the forum about the companies that we represent on here. People don't know. Well, maybe some people know because we've, I've mentioned it, I think, before. But many of the companies that we, we, talk, that we're, that we talk about, we've been courting them for some of them as long as a year and a half before we even onboard them as a sponsor. And a lot of that is us hanging out with the CEOs of those companies and Taylor going back and forth and telling them our standards with things. Using and, their products for Yeah, ever. using their products for a very long time. Like, like people don't know, we use some, many times we'll use the products for months uh, before we decide, because we just want to see how do we feel, how do we like it, what do we not like about it. Yeah before we ever mention anything because there's a little bit of responsibility that we feel. We don't want to promote something that isn't legit or isn't going to be good. Like I don't want to promote something just because it looks good on paper and then I get, you know, people end up getting bad reactions or whatever. That's a big one. I think, you know, two two parts here. First off, I think for some people, it's a good idea to work for a network. I think if you feel like you just want to be a podcast host, then that might be a good idea. Now, the th- all of us didn't do this with the ideas of just being podcast hosts. Our mm-hmm. ideas were to start a, a a movement and a business. And so we wanted to own it. We wanted to own what we did. We, and we also looked at the long game. We didn't sign with a sponsor for for a long time. It was like, we didn't. first of all, we didn't sell a thing for a year. And we didn't sign, like, really sign with sponsors until, what, two or something like years later. Yeah, well, last year was the first year that we made any real decent money. Right, and so because we were looking at the long game, and we want to own that, um, and we are trying to we were trying to create a media company. So 
if your goal is just to be a podcast host and you're not trying to own a business or anything, you just want to be a host, you want to show up to work, yeah. get paid to just talk on a podcast, which is fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, if you look at it more like radio. Like, yes. Like you have content, you're coming in, you're doing your job, and then mm-hmm. you go home, that's where a network that's a fair, is. That's a fair argument, I think. You know that. what I'm and, saying? And it, it's obviously- Because you're going to see more of that. Well, not only that, but it's also required us to have somebody on staff like Taylor. That's literally his full-time job. That's right. like how much vetting and conversations and back and forth that happens between sponsors happen is that- it has supported a, a person's right. full-time job to do nothing but that. Right, and you, I think you're going to see more of that. I think as this space grows, you're going to see more and more of these talented hosts get picked up by networks, and these hosts have no they, they have no uh, interest in becoming business owners. They have no interest in you know anything aside from being on a podcast and talking about a particular subject. Um, the other thing, too, is... I and this is something that we all had in common, and thank God, uh, because it would have caused a lot of problems if we didn't. But all of us really don't like anybody telling us what we can and can't say or do. <laughs> Not even our sponsors. We've actually gotten into this problem yep. with sponsors, where sponsors will send a message to us and be like, "Hey, that you know, we want you to read this, you know, for your." And we'll be like, "No, yeah. we'll say what we want. We'll be honest, and it, and then if you don't like our performance, then we don't have to work with you." But they always like our performance. But we don't. I don't like. I don't want to work for a network. And then have someone tell me, hey, you shouldn't have said that. Hey, you should say this. Here's what I want you to – no, no, no. I'll do what I want. Right, right. And in, in fact, telling me what to do, it, it's a great way to get me to do the opposite of that. <laughs> and then back to what you were saying earlier in this in the question, Adam, about timing. I mean – and by the way, you know, Barbell Shrug guys, great guys. Uh, Anders, great guy. You know, I've talked to him a few times. Nice, Very, very nice dude. But you're right. The timing was absolutely perfect. They, they got into the podcast space. Uh, before we did, when it was really early, and they attached themselves to an exploding brand. They were the CrossFit podcast. So CrossFit itself exploded in the fitness scene, and it was uh, kind of this new cutting-edge way of working out. Everybody in it had this attitude of, we're going to do things differently, we're going to eat differently, we're going to dress differently, we're going to talk about things differently, and we're going to listen to this new thing called podcast. What's the one podcast for CrossFit? Barbell Shrugged. And they, you know what it reminds me of? There's a brand. What's that brand that was connected to uh, uh, UFC that first started out? Tap, tap Out. Tap Out. <laughs> Remember how Tap Out blew up because yeah. UFC blew up? Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's really, that's what happened, right? Tap yeah. Out was, it was a t-shirt company, but they yeah, exploded. Yeah, probably, probably made millions of dollars. Yeah, because they exploded because they attached themselves to the growing brand. So their timing was, was uh, you know, absolutely perfect. And, and that means a lot um, in business. But yeah. I think what, you know, what you guys, I think what, to what you were saying, Justin, I think is probably the, the, the biggest one that I could, pick I up can't believe is. I didn't even think, cause I was literally was just talking to this girl yesterday about that. So what a great point that yeah. you, you brought We've gotten up. some good advice too. Oh, uh, we've got, a, we've gotten, oh, I what's say, his name from, um, uh, I can't even remember his name. Best, one of the best podcast host interviewers. Jordan. Jordan. Yeah. Jordan. Yeah. yeah. Oh God. He's the guy's just, uh, he, he, I, uh, he should charge people. Yeah, he's a master of his to craft. Teach them how to interview and podcast. Now the irony of that is that same great advice is also who brought up the brought up that originally wow. the podcast. I one. think it was him. It was him. Mm-hmm. So he's somebody who uses an agency. Mm-hmm. You know, he's chose to go through an agency because he just and which it makes sense. But because, he's just he's a he's a master of podcast. Yeah, you know exactly. He he has got he's mastered the interview process so well. It's, he's different. He's different than what we're building here. We're trying to build a media yeah, company. It's we're all fit trying. With yeah, us. it's it is different. So, but I would say he's given. I mean, we've had so much great advice. I mean, a lot of a lot of of conversations with other podcasters. We've got great advice. I would say there's there's a lot less. 
you know, bad advice that we got through people. And even the ones that I pointed out, I don't think we're like, here's some of the best sore, hor- horrific. I mean, I appreciate, I appreciate Connor trying, you know, but I mean, I just, I knew that when he advised that I'm like, okay, you just, you don't see the vision. You don't get what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. If that's where you, you're trying to point me in that direction, which is also what led me to believe that I didn't think that he would be that great of an asset mm-hmm. with us. And so mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I tell you what though, uh, one, here's one piece of advice that we've said many times and it's simple. It's very simple, and I still see people doing this. And I'm telling you right now, you will fall by the wayside if you don't fix this. If your sound is shit, if it sounds like you're talking in a bathroom bathroom, and there's an echo in the background, mm-hmm. I've got buddies. I'm not going to call them out because I like these people who have podcasts in our space, good information. I listen to it, and it's like it sounds like you're in a fucking bathroom. Yeah. All you got to do is put some blankets up on the walls, absorb the sound so it sounds better. Because the space is growing so fast that it, it, we're we're like we're literally five years away, dude. It's like from it, major production. I being tell put people, into I tell people, it's the same thing trying to trying to get in as a TV network and then shooting in this fucking low resolution feed. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like if you have all these channels that are shooting in high def and then you're in black and white still. Well, look at I you. I mean, who's going to watch you? You could have the best content in the world and you might get a little bit of an audience that will watch it in black and white still because it's such it's such great content. But the the level of content that you have to be putting out in order to attract people it's to, a hor- to a horrible sound right now is it's competi- competition's uh, getting better and better. It's you know it reminds me of if you look at YouTube, you know six years ago on YouTube you had the top fitness guys who were getting millions of views, shitty uh, compared to what you see now, right? Shitty quality. It was a regular, just a plain camera, the crappy sound. Dude standing in front of camera talking. It's what's his name? Six pack abs or Scooby, whatever the guy's name. Millions and millions of followers. Those guys today, if they started their channels today like that, would, would never get, never get uh, traction. They would they, never they get, get traction because yeah. YouTube is so competitive now. The podcast space is starting to get like that. And one of the easiest black and white things, and it doesn't like equipment's cheap now. You could get high fucking quality microphone equipment. Well, almost everybody every, under a grand. Well, almost everybody has similar or pretty similar mics. Yeah. It's what you. It's the put, room. Yeah, it's the room. It's the you know the the foam in this room, and then like before even this room, and we had the other place was you know the blankets Dude, like you said. And in making, Doug's living room, he would hang out. I remember before we podcast, it would take like. Yeah. An hour of setup because we'd hang blankets, and I remember us being like, oh, "We'd roll our eyes, like, yeah. who cares, Doug?" Just, but Doug was like, "No, it's got to sound." Thank God, Doug. No, you know, no, you talk about you talk about huge, uh, paramount decisions that were made by each of us individually, and that was Doug who really was just would not budge on that. <laughs> yeah. And you know, if really, if it was if it was up to me, we would have paid no attention to that. And you know, that was a major learning lesson, I yeah. think, for all of us. And now I believe in it so much that I you're know. right. I'm like, it's yeah, the first thing. pass that on. I, the two things that it's so funny, you you guys both picked those things because I was literally giving podcast advice to someone yesterday. And those were the two major points I uh-huh. made was, yeah. you know, don't go, don't go skimpy on your equipment, get yourself some nice equipment, spend some time in a, even if it's in your house, you know, make the room sound soundproof and make it as good as you can so when people listen to you it's not annoying and sounds like you're in a bathroom and then the other advice was to her about the advertising it's like don't just go do not your goal should not be to make money right now it should be to find a way to provide so much value for your audience that they want to pay you Mm -hmm. truly connect with your audience yes absolutely so look you can go to mindpumpfree.com and download some of our free fitness nutrition and health guides i believe there's uh i don't know maybe 10 on there so again it's mindpumpfree.com go check it out also you can find our individual instagram pages with our own unique content 
So you can find Justin uh, on Instagram at Mind Pump Justin. Adam yeah, is at there. Mind Pump Adam. And then me is at, I'm at Mind Pump Sal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic. Nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump.